Hello there and welcome into another edition of the Intersection Podcast with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Here's what's coming up on this edition of the Intersection. Well, I talked about food, physical and spiritual, with Michelle Cox of Just 18 Summers and media host Todd Starnes of The Todd Starnes Show. They have put together a devotional book that is full of Southern flavor and spiritual content. You'll be hearing from them. And Rhonda Stoppi is someone who brings Christ-centered insight into matters related to marriage and parenting. She talked with me recently about some of the dynamics she has discovered involved in raising sons. Some comments from the No Regrets Woman are coming up. And on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, at the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention, I spoke with Doug Hershey, who is in the process of releasing a second illustrated book full of pictures from Israel. He documents developments that have occurred in Israel and Jerusalem, a reflection of God's blessings on the land that he promised to his people. Some material from that chat is ahead. Finally, Joe Dallas is a cultural observer and Christian counselor who has helped numerous people throughout the years come out from the homosexual lifestyle into freedom in Christ. You'll be hearing comments from a recent Meeting House conversation in which he responded to a video by a gay men's chorus that offered a message about the coercive agenda that is present within the LGBTQ community. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Michelle Cox has written a number of books and has been featured in a number of publications, including at her website, Just 18 Summers. Todd Starnes is the host of The Todd Starnes Show and an author himself. Together, they have teamed up for a book called Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl. They spoke with me about the physical and spiritual food they address in this devotional book. Here now are Michelle Cox and Todd Starnes. One of the things that we wanted to to uh, to get get right out of the gate with is that you know this is not a a southern book. This is right. a book for country folks, and and we believe that country is not a geographic location. It really is a state of mind. And I remember during my years at Fox, initially as a reporter, I would they would send me all over the the country, and I realized right away that people in places like New Hampshire and in um, Minnesota, for example. Many of those people have a lot more in common with the folks in, in the Southern states, God and country, family. Uh, these are important concepts and these are shared values. And you know, we live in a time in the country right now where uh, we're sort of at each other's throats. And it's good, I think, I think the Biscuit book really does remind people um, of, of the shared values we have and those experiences that really make us uniquely uh, not just Christians, but also Americans. Yeah. So share with me an example of uh, perhaps someone whom you spotlight in the book. Well, one of my favorites uh, is a dear friend of mine named Sarah Haley, who is a colleague at Fox News, and she's actually from Memphis. I met her at a Bible study in New York City. She was in the kitchen. I had just moved to New York, and I heard someone saying, y'all, and bless your heart. And I thought, my goodness, who is that? And uh, I met Sarah Haley. Uh, who became a very dear friend. And uh, she sent me a story about her Aunt Velma, who was known for her funeral pies. And uh, whenever somebody died in the congregation, she immediately showed up on the front steps of the house with a pie. And people couldn't figure out how she was able to whip up those pies so fast. And it turned out that she uh, always made pies and she put them in the freezer. 
and she had enough in advance so that when everybody's whenever somebody kicked the bucket uh she popped a pie in the oven and, and brought over a fresh pie and uh, not only do we have uh, aunt velma's funeral pie recipe uh, but we also there's also a great spiritual application to that you know you never know what life is going to throw at you and it's always good to be prepared no matter what and in velma's case she had a pie in the freezer oh very good michelle who comes to mind as you look uh, b- back at these characters uh karen is one of them you know most churches have someone who delivers meals when someone has surgery or there's been a death in the family and karen is kind of our angel on on wheels to do that and so a lady ellen from our church was having knee surgery and karen called her and she said ellen i'm, I'm going to bring your food by honey she said um, just checking when would be a good time and Ellen said, well, Karen, I'm, I don't know how long we'll be at the hospital. We don't lock our door. You were here several years ago. Just come on in, put it in the refrigerator whenever it's good for you. So Karen loaded up the food on the surgery day. She got to Ellen's house. She started up the steps and she thought, oh, bless her heart. She's going to have so much trouble getting up these steps after knee surgery. And she stopped and she prayed for Ellen that she'd be able to make it in the house. And then she opened the door and her jaw dropped because Ellen's family was always neat as a pen, but there were dirty clothes all over the living room, mountains of clutter, dirty dishes stacked high. The laundry was a mountain. And Karen thought, I can't let Ellen come home after surgery to this. So she put the food in the refrigerator, cleaned everything and did the laundry and left. And that night she got a call from Ellen who said, Karen, I thought you were bringing dinner for us. And Karen said, honey, it's in your refrigerator. And she said, no, nothing's there. And Karen said, honey, I put it in your refrigerator. I even stopped on your steps and prayed for God to help you get in. And Ellen said, Karen, we don't have steps. Karen had gone in the wrong home. Oh my goodness cleaned the house, did the laundry, left them food in the refrigerator. And can't you just imagine the faces when they got home and discovered a clean house and food and the laundry done? And you know, sometimes those unexpected things come into our lives, Bob, that we're not expecting and things that we don't pay attention to, just as Karen didn't really pay attention to where she had been before and she didn't ask directions. Yeah, so it's so important for us to ask God for directions for where we're going in our life and let him send us where he wants us to go. And then we won't mess up like Karen did delivering the food for (laughs) Ellen's family. (laughs) Todd Starnes and Michelle Cox here on The Intersection. You can learn more about Michelle by going to just1818summers.com. You can find Todd at toddstarnes, S-T-A-R-N-E-S.com. Well, next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Rhonda Stoppi. She is known as the No Regrets Woman. And in a recent conversation, she discussed elements of the subject matter of the book Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, coinciding with the release of the audiobook of the 2013 book. Here now from that conversation is Rhonda Stoppi. The Lord calls us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what Jesus said is protos, the priority of life. And the second command is to love our neighbor as ourselves. The reality is we, if we're Christian moms, 
we want to do the things God wants us to do. We want to be the person God wants us to be. We want to love others the way he's called us to love, which begins with our spouse if we're married and also our children. But what we do is we pull ourselves up and we try harder to love better. But God said, love the Lord with all your heart. That's your emotions. Your soul, that's who you are, what makes you you. Your mind is with your thoughts, and then your strength is with what you do. We say, God, thank you for saving me. I'm going to love you with what I do, and I'm going to go work in the church nursery, and I'm going to you know, serve in the, this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to homeschool my kids maybe. But God's like, slow down, Skippy. Fall in love with me because Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he calls us to, he will do through us and ignite a passion in us to do it and a zeal to do it, but it begins with falling in love with him for who he really is. And so when I was not the mom I meant to be, when I knew the mom that I had hoped I would be and I realized the mom I was, I looked around. My husband's a pastor now. He was a youth, in youth ministry at the time. I looked at the parents of our teens, and I found the ones whose kids enjoyed them, whose spouse wanted to be with them, or the single moms who were walking in joy. And I attached myself to them. I said, I want to know how to be a better mom. And they invited me to a Bible study. I'm like, no, you missed my my question. <laughs> I don't need another Bible study. I just need to have some friends that show me how to be a better mom. And these women said, just join us. It was a precept Bible study, five hours of homework a week through the book of Philippians. And honestly, the spiritual reason that I went was because it was free babysitting and I could have some time alone with women. And I, that's why I went to that study. But what I found was in that study, those women shared their heart. And they shared what they had learned from their life walking with the Lord. And we went through the pages of Scripture and discovered God's character and learned he can be trusted and learned of him. And as I began to really see God's character as he reveals it in Scripture, I fell in love with him. And I began being transformed by the renewing of my mind. My parenting was different. I was different. Because then God's love was free to love my family through me. So, you know, the Bible says, um, I think it's Psalm 119, 165. It says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Moms, we walk around offended. Who left their, you know, dirty underwear in the middle of the floor? Don't you care what I do all day? There's offense that comes because they're not respecting the hard work that we do. And so for me, I found when I was offended by my family, it made me go back to the word, go back to the Lord, asking him to show me my sin, my heart, make me fall more in love with him so he's free to love my children through me. You know, in this culture that really takes a dim view of what it means to be a man, what do you what do you see as far as the responsibility of moms and dads to kind of elevate that viewpoint in our culture? Our sons are looking for heroes. Our daughters are also. We have to provide them godly examples of a hero. And for some, if you're a single mom, don't shut me out because I have very dear friends that have raised their children as single moms, and they have exposed them to godly men who love the Lord with all their heart. Uh, not just Christian men, but men who their priority of life is to be have a loyal heart to the Lord. Some of them are, you know, construction workers and super, you know, hardworking, workout, masculine. Some of them are musicians and, and are not as, you know, out there with their masculinity. What was interesting as Steve was in youth ministry for 18 years, we always had a team that ministered alongside of us. 
And it was interesting to watch the young men flock to different male leaders. One, we had a guy named Casey Benson. He actually lives, he works at um, Bannockburn Church in Austin, Texas. He lived with us for a while. He was a stand-up comedian in nightclubs, gave his heart to Christ, and um, lived in our home, watched my husband love me and love our family. He was in his 20s at the time. But he, there's a quote in Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, and I actually tell Casey's story, that he says just seeing the family for that short amount of time gave me the insight of the man I wanted to become. Rhonda Stoppy here on The Intersection. You can find her at noregretswoman.com. This is The Intersection. It's a production of The Meeting House. It's released weekly, and you can learn more about The Meeting House program by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. Also, there are links to the podcast in the Media Center as well as to iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. Content from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. Learn more at meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the Faith Radio website. Just go to the programming section. You'll find a link to the Meeting House homepage. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Doug Hershey in a conversation at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. He shared about developments in the land of Israel that are consistent with Bible prophecy as he shares in the book Jerusalem Rising, Ancient Prophecy, Modern Lens, The City of Peace Awakens. From that NRB conversation, this is Doug Hershey now. The original promise is, in fact, it's an easy one to remember. You can call it like, you know, it's as easy as one, two, three. uh, Genesis 12, three Ah, is is the promise where God uh, says to Abraham, I want to make a covenant with you. Uh, I'm going, I want to be your God. I'm going to multiply your descendants and I'm going to give you this piece of land forever. And so he's making a covenant with an everlasting promise with the people and with the land and as as their god and so you know I, i'll say to some people you know is think as simple as you know well is is god sovereign well yes of course he is well then if god is sovereign doesn't he have the right to choose any particular people group and put them on any piece of land for any length of time that he chooses and and the answer is of course he is and he can do all of that certainly without my opinion and, and so in my mind, it isn't even so much about the Jewish people as it is about a, a sovereign God who has chosen a people to demonstrate what his character is like. So if God would have chosen the Peruvian people, I would want to have a heart for the Peruvian people, you know, because God had chosen it. We are, we are connected to him, and he's just simply using Israel to demonstrate his faithfulness. And you, you bring up a great point in terms of that covenant faithfulness because if God is able to keep his covenant and and fulfill down to the word and down to the letter of keeping his promises to a particular people group over thousands of years, then he's able to keep yep. his, his promises to, to you and I. And and when you, I mean, you could stand up in any church and say, hey, does, do you believe that God keeps his promises? And everybody will be like, yeah, we love you. 
Oh, of course he does. God keeps his promises. Well, God's made some promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their family. And as much as you are passionate about God keeping promises to you, God takes it personally when he makes promises to other people. And he, it's, it's not even an issue of whether he will or he won't. For him, it's an issue of his character. Yep. You know, and he, you know, this is what he's going to do to demonstrate to the rest of the world what he's like. Doug Hershey joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio, a rich and informative conversation here on the floor in the exhibit hall at the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. So you you wrote the book, Israel Rising Again. It's a book of text combined with pictures from Israel, correct? Exactly. And not, not just not just pictures, but then and now photography from Israel. And so with, with Israel Rising, there was over 100 photo comparisons from over 25 locations all over the land. The, the old photos were taken between 1880s and the 1940s. And I went back with a pro photographer to reshoot all the angles. Now, the, the, the next book is called Jerusalem Rising. And uh, there you go. It's a good-looking book. So it's, Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a coffee table book, 208 pages, and that specifically focuses on the city. And so the, the ancient prophecy that's involved with that is Zechariah 8, when God says, I will return to the city and dwell with my people. Old men and old women will find safety, you know, in the you know, rest and, and safety in, in the streets. Children will be playing, and, and the nations will start flooding. Uh, to to Jerusalem, and we're starting to see the very beginning process of that. And so, what I did with this is I wanted to find the oldest photos of Jerusalem ever taken that go back to 1844. Wow! Mm. And so, uh, those were actually just recently published by the Smithsonian in 2014. So, I mean, it's people are just kind of learning about this. And so, what myself and, and the uh, the photographer Ed and Ram phenomenal Israeli uh, photographer we we recreated those oldest the, the oldest photos of Jerusalem uh, for the first time ever and and so in the book you'll see photos from 1844 to 2019 that's a hundred and seventy five year span between the old photo and the new photo and and so it, I, I'm not sure it very well may be the longest span of time between an old photo and a new photo wow. that, that's ever been done and we did it with with Jerusalem because Ezekiel 5.5 says that Jerusalem is the center of the world, that God has placed it in the center of the nations. And there's so many special things that are unique about this city. You know, no other city on earth has had its history foretold to its, its destruction, to its empty desolation, to its revival and, uh, and restoration as a, as a significant city and then eventually a, a, a seat of power for a Jewish king. Doug Hershey here on this edition of The Intersection. You could learn more by going to DougHershey.co. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's the author of the book, Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World, Joe Dallas. He is also a speaker and pastoral counselor. In a recent conversation, he shared his response to a video by a gay men's chorus containing coercive language. He provided insight into the furtherance of the LGBTQ agenda in the course of our conversation. Here now from that conversation is Joe Dallas. It was a group of men arrogantly mocking legitimate concerns that parents have about their children and mocking parental authority and saying whether you like it or not we will convert your children to a pro-gay viewpoint we will teach them things you don't want them to learn and we don't care what you think about it and you have nothing to say about it and they thought that they could gleefully get away with that 
And then when the backlash came, they began pretending that the only people who really objected to that were extreme right-wingers. And so to keep this from turning any more volatile, they decided to pull the video. But the fact is, again, they underestimated the outrage that the public feels when you, even in jest, start talking about coming after our children. They really should have known that all of us who are parents and really all of us who are decent-minded people do not find it funny when anybody says we're coming after your children for anything. So I think it was massive overreach, but I will tell you this, Bob, as a former gay activist and as someone who has worked now for 34 years with people who have made the same decision I made, which was to walk away from homosexuality, um, I know that this video was honest. It was honest in that it did admit that the goal of the LGBTQ movement is, in fact, to convert hearts and minds. Its goal has always been to convert people to a gay-affirming viewpoint or silence those who will not be converted. And obviously, they have targeted the next generation. What on earth do we think the public school system has been about for the past 30 years, if not to indoctrinate our kids to a new social worldview? I should say socialist worldview. Mm. So in that sense, I think they were honest. They do want to convert our children. Now, I want to be quick to say, I don't think they all want to molest our children. I don't even think they necessarily want to cause our children to become gay. But I do think they want to convert our children's opinion to a gay-affirming viewpoint. And in that sense, as I said, I think the video was very honest. It was also very stupid because it overplayed their hand, and it was a form of arrogance that the public did not respond very well to. What do you say to the person who is a believer in Christ, professed Christian, who says, you know, I want to live my life, I want to raise my family, and really I want to be left alone? What would you say as far as what you see as perhaps a responsibility that each of us has as believers in Christ to make an impact on the culture at large? Bob, I am fully sympathetic to anyone who says I want to be left alone. That is my nature. <laughs> I'm all for live and let live. And uh, I take Paul literally when he told the Romans, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all people. But here's the deal. You are not going to be left alone. That's not going to happen. You are going to be sought out. You are going to be pressured to declare one way or another where you stand on these issues. You will be pressured either by family members who come home and say, Mom, Dad, I'm gay, I'm trans, I've adopted a new belief system, or by friends or by co-workers or by corporate-sponsored sensitivity training seminars or even by laws. You, at some point, are going to be asked, where do you stand on these issues? That is unavoidable. Besides which, as the government is expanding, which it is, and as we are facing a, an unprecedented time in our country, in which America is embracing more of the concept of big government and of government enforcing this new worldview, which the political left, to put it plainly, is on a crusade to convert us to, 
you are going to have a responsibility not to just sit on the sidelines. Joe Dallas here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to joedallas.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. The website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Through that webpage, you will find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. You can find links to the Intersection podcast in the Media Center, as well as to iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content is also available through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.